Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, we explore the world of Metroid. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, joined, as always, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. How's it going, Mark? It's going pretty good. I wonder what happens in the future if one of us can't make the recording of an episode. Oh, I, does an episode happen? You mean because I always say joined, as always, by right. my co-host, Mark Mitchell. Yeah. Uh, Do you, like, if I was gone for an episode and then I came back the following week, would you no longer be able to say, as always? Would it just become joined by my co-host? Wow. Well, I mean, that would be a, that would be a dark day, right? <laughs> I mean, let's pray that day never comes. <laughs> uh, yeah, it has never happened to, to date. Yeah. I recorded a little bit with my parents one time. Yes. Um, but, but, even, but I was... Was I present for the intro for that? You were... Well, this was... Uh, Back when we did one episode that was uh, oh, the right, news both. and the feature, That's right. right? So it's it was th- that was a different time, Mark. A different era. That was a different show. Some could argue. I don't. I don't know that I would. <laughs> I think I will always say joined as always by my co-host Mark Mitchell. Okay, I mean, like I appreciate that, but I allow you, like. To get out of that if the occasion arises. Mm, I don't think so. I give you wiggle room. <laughs> no. But no, not I reject wiggle room. I, well, Mark, come on. Stop taking pot shots at poor chicken wiggle. <laughs> it's a bad name. It's a terrible name. <laughs> Look, the chicken's name is chicken and the worm's name is wiggle. <laughs> but we're not here to debate the merits of chicken wiggle. <laughs> no, I suppose we're not. We are here to discuss Metroid. That's right. Tomorrow will mark the release of Samus Metroid Returns. Metroid Samus Returns. Wow. <laughs> this might be a rough one. <laughs> no, look, this is a, a subject about which we are passionate, right? We are both big Metroid fans um, and are excited about this new game coming out. Um, do you feel more or less excited about it because it's a, a remake of, uh, of an existing game? I. Uh... I, that doesn't really affect me Mm -hmm. uh, one way or the other, like my excitement for this game. I'm excited because it's new 2D Metroid. Yeah. And it has been so long since we've had that. And like everything about this game seems like it's been positively previewed. Mm -hmm. People who are playing it for review seem to really like it. And... It, if this does well, it opens up the prospect of new 2D Metroid. Yes. Uh, and possibly on the Switch? Yeah. Uh, which would be great. Also, you know, I, I am a... Um, I, I'm happy to play a uh, Metroid game every couple months. Maybe every, like, six months. I'm like, yeah, I could play another Metroid game. And even if that means an old one or a new one, like, if they just start gradually porting... Super Metroid Fusion Zero Mission over to Switch or 3DS. Um, I'm I that I'm excited about that 
right now. Well, and of the Metroid games, Metroid 2 is by far the one I have played the least amount of. Yeah. I had a copy of um of The Return of Samus on my Game Boy way back in the day. Um but I think it was too like hard or too obtuse for me as a kid. Um but so we're not actually going to our goal today isn't really to talk about how these games play necessarily um but to talk about like what elements make up the like the aesthetic of these games, right? Yeah, I mean like Metroid even if it has become one of Nintendo like it's still one of Nintendo's flagship franchises even if they don't really release games for it all that often anymore yeah or even ever almost it's it's been so long i guess uh federation force was just last year um but that's can we even like count that as a metroid game like it definitely pulls on like the world mm -hmm. that metroid has created and it's kind of that like what are the like foundational elements of metroid that make it so beloved yeah by people like us who love these games even kind of like the lesser ones sure so let's let's start there let's uh let's figure out what the building blocks of a metroid game is so like what 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 do you think a, a metroid game requires well and i think it all comes back to the first metroid game for the nes mm -hmm. just called metroid it coming back to it now it's not a great game it is uh, a difficult game to play <laughs> for sure and it's really it's hard to navigate it's hard to stay alive um there's so little like enemy and like environment variety but there's something about that game that mm -hmm. obviously like sparked people's imaginations and the successful games in the metroid series all kind of take these elements and iterate on them and for me, I think one of the big things in that is that it's a, the central character is like a strong female character. Yeah. So even though we didn't we didn't know that going in when we were playing the original Metroid, um, did you, so you you came to Metroid later, right? Yeah, that's right. Right. So you already knew who who Samus was, right? Mm -hmm. um, I remember like having that weird like kid moment of like oh my gosh the surprise of like she's a lady um and not you know by virtue of me reaching the end of the game in the uh, allotted amount of time but from you know like entering the code justin bailey and getting like the swimsuit version of, of samus running around um but uh yeah i like that's one of the um kind of like core principles of of the series is that samus is this uh strong um like uh independent almost to like a like solo character right that she's on this adventure by herself yeah and that she is awesome yes yeah and gets progressively more awesome as you play the game um so there's that sense of like player empowerment that as you're uh, the more time you spend in the game, the more you're just like picking up things here and there, and you know that's that's all kind of stuff that has been um, that you see in like any game with uh, RPG elements that you get stronger the longer you play. But there's, and I feel like Zelda does this as well, where like it does it all without numbers. You know, like you're never worried about like your uh, you know her 
her strength attribute or whatever. Um, it's all in the things you collect and in how like those tools work to navigate the world. And I feel like why this is such an important component of Metroid is because it's so rare. It was incredibly rare in games in the 80s, and it's still fairly rare now that you have this a central character in a game who's a woman mm-hmm. and who is uh you know like a like take no prisoners type yeah that that like her her sentimentality isn't uh like f- so there are obviously exceptions to everything we're saying here i think it within the series right um right right yeah. but i think like um yeah like obviously as the series goes on you know you have other m and even um fusion to a lesser extent yeah like fusion to a lesser extent where some of that like independence is taken away from the character Mm -hmm. and i don't think it's any uh surprise that those games are either more controversial in the in the case of fusion or loathed in the case of other m right you know because it's uh kind of the antithesis of what we want from a metroid game right so it's it's i i don't i think there's a hard you would have a hard time talking about um the metroid games without uh bringing up the alien movie series um because they obviously share a lot of of dna including the the strong female protagonist right and the alien creature that um our protagonist has a almost weird um maternal relationship with and i i like that element of the series even though like it's so understated in super metroid or at the end of um metroid 2 and into super metroid that there is a like samus spares this thing right she she comes across the last metroid at the end of metroid 2 so i guess spoiler for the game that's coming out tomorrow um but that she encounters the the very last metroid which is a an infant it hatches in front of her um and then she like bottles it up and takes it to the space federation is like here you go guys uh study that thing keep it away from the space pirates we don't want any more of these things flying around um and then when it it is eventually stolen by pirates she like chases after it but still like maintains it's still like a killing machine right it's still like a horrible monster but she has a relationship with it and i value that yeah i think that's one of the it, and you're right it is basically ripped off from alien yeah and the alien series for sure but again that's kind of part of the original appeal of metroid yeah is you know like you are um in a weird way with like experiencing the alien franchise yeah you know does that make sense where it's like because you're you're like alone in a hallway right and like there are creatures bearing down on you that are going to murder you (laughs) and like there's very little you can do like it's they're they're, they are very similar experiences and i think that idea of isolation Mm -hmm. is another thing that makes metroid a good metroid game metroid yeah you know like this idea that you're just alone and um, there's not a lot of NPCs. It's not like there's a lot of dialogue. You don't wander into towns yeah. and to upgrade your power armor. 
Boy, that'd be a bummer, right? <laughs> trading little like uh, Chozo coins for... <laughs> yeah, like you're a bounty hunter. Mm-hmm. You work on your own. Yeah. And again, you know, like the when the later games kind of move away from this and start introducing more characters for you to chat with is when it kind of becomes more unbearable. So what what is that? Because like I, I see that, you know, there are obviously like two different metroid series within um metroid right there's uh the vanilla series and then there's um prime um and uh chronologically prime takes place uh between metroids one and two um but like you can see a similar um like arc of uh moving out of isolation with both of these series um so like metroid prime and prime two are both like solo adventures right that samus is on more or less by herself slowly and gradually discovering um what happened on on these two planets of uh talon four and aether i think it's the planet from um from echoes uh and it's not until uh three corruption where we start to get like the other uh bounty hunter characters kind of like folded into that and the whole like space federation those characters start to like seep into that narrative. Um, and the same thing is true of uh, Metroids 1, 2, and 3, that those are, you know, very uh, isolated games. That M- Metroid 2 and, you know, by extension, um, Samus Returns here are very, the, those, that's, that's an incredibly solitary game because they're just like, go on this planet, murder all these things. Um, that like, and then as, as you move on, the series progresses after Super, which is the third game. Um, I guess chronologically, the next one is Other M and then Fusion, that both of those games are the more like social aspects of the, the, the character in the franchise. So too long-winded, the question is, why does it seem like both versions of the, the franchise, both like series, veer towards or veer away from isolation the longer they go? I don't know if it's like a feeling of demand for what like what modern gamers want Mm -hmm. i don't know if it's a few if it's because they're looking to switch up the formula after a couple of games um in the case of you know like other m and fusion it seems like uh became more interested in like story elements and so that seemed to um like and the way he did that was by incorporating outside characters into the narrative of Samus's life. Yeah. Well, I, I think what's interesting about that is um, there's so much story, so much like passive storytelling or environmental storytelling in these games that in all of them, right. Um, that do a really good job of conveying a story that has already happened. Um, and what we're seeing in games like uh, Metroid Prime 3 Corruption and Fusion and um, the other one you were just saying. Other M. Other M, yeah. Um, is the story happening in real time? Um, so I think for me, one of the like foundational building blocks of uh, a Metroid game is walking into an area and having to piece together, not even having to, but just like having the pleasure of. Um, figuring out what happened there you know and just like taking that in 
Yeah, there was in the earlier games, and some of this I'm sure was technical limitation, you know, like in the original Metroid, is this idea of uh, showing and not telling. Yeah. You know, th- there was very little story, but you didn't really need a lot of story. Like, there's not a lot of story in Super Metroid. Yeah. You know, in as far as like dialogue boxes or cutscenes go, but there is a lot of, uh, there are a lot of like, it is telling a narrative. Yeah. Like, there is a narrative to the game. Yeah. And it's, it's a uh, like world building in a way that doesn't require, you know, people shouting at each other or anything like that. Um, do you have uh, like storytelling moments from? We could probably spend the rest of <laughs> this episode just talking about uh, storytelling moments we like from Super Metroid. Um, but uh, do you, are, are there any of those that like stand out for you? That like things that you encounter or like little moments without any uh, dialogue that were like effective for you or like that you like in that game? Um. Or any of the 2D Metroids. Yeah, I, I feel like the, for me, one of the most kind of like really cool experiences was the first time I played through Metroid Prime, mm-hmm. not really knowing what to expect. And even just like the simple um, ability to like uh, scan things and learn about them that way, it reminds me a lot of what they do in you know, like Bloodborne and sure. the uh, Dark Souls games, where if you want the detail, if you want like to learn more about the very the specifics of the world, you have that ability. But in general, you could run through the entire game and not glean any of that information yeah. and still have your experience be completely rewarding. Yeah. Um, and there's so like in Prime specifically, um there is like the the way that they communicate the story is so much through like logs and like notes like researcher kind of notes um so you're the game takes place on Talon 4 um it's a a planet that has been settled at some point by by the Chozo and they discover a great poison is what they're calling it um and like there is a greater narrative about where this great poison comes from and what it is and all of that, but we don't get it in that sort of expository way. We get like kind of hard facts and figures, right? Where it's like scientific reporting on what they're experiencing. So like, even though it is still reading and it's still like, you know, taking in copy that way, you're sort of still getting the story secondhand, right? Um, and, and then even that feels like, uh, genuinely environmental and like atmospheric way of of storytelling. Well, how about you? From uh, it seems like from Super Metroid. Oh, there are so many cool moments in Super Metroid. Um, I love uh the your encounters with uh the the ostrich like alien um that teaches you how to do the the boost where you can like spring straight up in the air. Um, I like there's a uh a part right before the um the uh the crade battle where you encounter like a, a corpse wearing like power armor like like samus's just like laying on the ground and there are like green bug things all over him and as you approach it the green bug things just fly away like and that's the only time where you encounter anything like that in the whole game is like here's another like hardcore power armor bounty hunter 
who just met his end down here. And like, there's more to that story, but like, I don't know. That's it's it's so cool to me that like there there it is. You do with it as you will, or do nothing with it. Um, yeah, those those are some of my. And then just the end of Super Metroid, uh, where the uh, Metroid swoops in and and saves you from from Mother Brain. Uh, it's just it's a shade away from the actual gameplay, uh, and feels like one of the most successful marriages of gameplay and storytelling in any game. Um, yeah, that that's that's got to be one of my favorites. And because there's not a lot of, you know, in I would say the better games, a lot of uh like cutscenes and direct narrative and things mm-hmm. like that. Uh so much of this it comes from the environment. Mm-hmm. And so the in another like foundational building block of a solid Metroid gamer of the series in general is just incredible atmosphere. Yeah, a- absolutely. And I think that that's, that is one of the places where the first two games do sort of fail themselves, right? That, like, th- the most they can do is just, like, show darkness, really. Yeah, and so obviously that was, like, perfected in Super Metroid. Mm-hmm. But even I think the original Metroid uses, the like, the absence of color, like, uses that darkness yeah. and that blackness to convey kind of like the um like emptiness and like the isolation of the experience. Yeah, well and I mean like the the scores in all of these games are awesome, right? Like the 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 music in, in every single one of these is like it's it, it they do use like uh themes and like you know individual uh, melodies and stuff, but like most of the music is atmospheric and um especially in the early games uh obviously restricted by like the the hardware of these things um i was just going to pull up the uh metroid title screen um because it is uh like really minimal and cool here let's listen to a little bit of it right now i apologize no okay. giving so little, right? so 
cool and like it holds the uh the kind of like fanfare melody until like 45 seconds into it like halfway through its music cycle and it still doesn't like throw out a melody um it's all just so like patient you know um and i think that that is reflective of like the way you have to play the games too right that it's a very like hunting and uh trying and failing at things um and just being stuck and lost um that all feels like thematically consistent to me and i feel like the environments of the game like the individual worlds of each game are successful even in the like lesser entries in the series Mm -hmm. like when we played through metroid other m uh for our now defunct no classic edition series (laughs) yeah uh even like though that game wasn't great one of the things we did like about it were the environments and like the atmosphere of the overall game yeah yeah and that's i'm yeah that i mean that that is totally like a a building block that like there's like that that needs to be there it's it's interesting uh thinking about um other m now and the way that all of those environments are fake or or they're all like being reproduced on this um ship right uh that feels like it 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 almost feels like a a, a metal gear solid kind of uh explanation it's right? a it's a really cool mechanic uh-huh. that is never really taken advantage of yeah sure well, it's, just, it's also weird the way that that's sort of doubled in fusion too because like fusion is a you're on like a research uh station and there are different environments uh based on like the kinds of creatures that would live there um so they're both like these artificial constructs of these natural areas um which I guess is is another theme, more or less, of uh, Metroid is like the relationship between like man and nature, or, like yeah, technology like, and nature. Yeah, like yeah. nature and science. Yeah, um, and the Metroid kind of being like a weird perversion of both of them. Um, how much do you remember about the uh, Metroid Prime like overarching story? Not much. Honestly, so uh, I was doing a, a little research because I'd played through these games, um, you know, back in the day, but hadn't, hadn't really in, in a long time. And uh, the uh, the great poison that I referred to earlier, um, that the Chozo were recording in all of their notes, um, is revealed to be a substance called Phazon, um, which is features in uh, the the new game, right? The Samus Returns. Um, but Phazon itself being a uh, form of energy that comes from these comets called Leviathans that crash into planets and then corrupt uh, the, the life forms on that planet. And the, life, uh, the Leviathans uh, come from a planet called Phaze, two A's, <laughs> P-H-A-A-Z-E, um, which in itself is a living organism. Um, and the Leviathans are also like living organisms. Uh, so there's like a, like, uh, reproduction and like, uh, creature profligation, uh, kind of theme tied up in that too. Um, so like any of the themes of, uh, motherhood have like a sort of opposite theme of like seeding, uh, this sort of negative 
life energy. An echo, one might say. An echo, one might say. That's another thing that these games have as well, is like a copy of Samus. Um, so in Echoes, we encounter the, that's Metroid Prime 2, um, the uh, Dark Samus, which is um, a creature that is born of Phazon and Samus's original power suit. Um, and in Fusion, there's a parasite that uh, bonds with Samus and then replicates her. Um, so there, it's just, it's it's weird that there are like two different games that have like different canonical reasons to copy Samus, um, which I think speaks to the like Samus is so tough that like the only thing that we can fear in these games is an <laughs> is another Samus. I don't know. It, it it's all it's all cool stuff, and there's a lot like kind of looping back on um on itself. Did you want to listen to to more music? Always. <laughs> um. So, uh, let let's just rock a little bit of the main theme for Super Metroid, um, and get some more of that like kind of atmospheric stuff. line it's so cool and then uh, you hear it later echoed in in the timpanies So like again, that's not uh, it has like a, a fanfare in there, right? Like a, a heroic melody buried in there, but like you gotta get through the like kind of darker, more atmospheric stuff to get to it. Was there other? Let's uh, let's do a little bit of the Fendrana drifts music, yeah. Um, from this is from Metroid Prime. It's a like kind of icier area. Um, also does a good job of um setting you know just the the what am i saying here tone yeah scene scene tone scene the scene tone Thank you. 
the uh the little loop of that melody is so short right like it's it really just like drills into and i think that's actually something that like all of these music cues have in common is that um they like almost obsessively loop back around on like the same like little bit of rhythm or melody which is kind of parallel in the game itself because one of the things that especially uh with super metroid that the series kind of became known for is this idea of the of backtracking to areas that you have already uh, been to, but you have probably at this point picked up a new ability or opened a new area. And so it gives you new ways to traverse yeah. the environment you've already been in. Yeah. What it's so backtracking is so strange in video games because like it's when, when it's done poorly, right. When it feels like it's uh something that's just there to like draw the game out and make it longer. Like nothing gets my ire up faster than like, I've already been through here. I don't care about this. Um, but I, I don't know what it is about uh, a well-designed Metroid game that makes me feel like it's always worth going back to already explored places. Yeah. You know? It's such a fine line between success and failure with when backtracking is implemented in games. And I think the reasons why the re- one of the reasons why it's so celebrated in Super Metroid, and one of the reasons it's such a vital component of, you know, those um, Metroidvania type games mm-hmm. is that it happens most often in parallel with getting new abilities. So when you're instead of just like running through the same corridor again, because you know the game either is too cheap to create a new environment or they're trying to draw out the length of the game. You're returning to the area, but it's rewarding in unexpected ways because you're able to, uh, something that was out of reach before is now within reach, or a new area has opened up. And so it, instead of feeling like it's the world is narrow and very small, it mm-hmm. works to make the world feel like richer and more realized yeah it's almost less like you're going back through old areas and more like when you went through them the first time you were getting a preview of what it was really going to be when you were there and like had the tools to traverse the whole area but and even in metroid games you know it's uh there are games that do this very successfully and there are games that do this not very successfully um you know i think again just because it's kind of an example of a not great metroid game you know, Elder M has lo- has has moments where it feels interesting to return to areas, but it has a lot of moments mm-hmm. because so much of that game is running through corridors. Yeah, uh, it like on rail. It the game itself feels very guided. Yes, that returning to an area doesn't really have that sense of adventure or reward. Yeah, it feels more like just returning to an area I've been to. Yeah, I mean, I. Man, I have so many memories of playing the uh, the first two Metroid Prime games and like getting super missiles or power bomb or something, and just thinking this is gonna this this opens the whole game, you know that like this is gonna change everything. And you know, you spend a, a couple hours like hitting various corners of the map that you've already been to, and then you're like, okay, now I don't know what to do again. <laughs> um, but like, there's it's it's so rewarding to you know go back to those places and realize. Um, just what you were saying that uh it, the world is so much wider than you thought it was um 
we I, I don't know how to naturally segue to this, but I want to bring up the the item room music from Super Metroid because it's so sparse and so minimalist and so weird. Uh, so I'm just gonna play some. It sounds like someone absentmindedly dialing a phone, right? Again, the loop on this one is very short as well. Mm -hmm. But it sells the atmosphere so well. Yeah, that it's like there's a bit of intriguing that that like there's some sort of like there's a promise of something there and then like the ominous strings under it I just like that that's a piece of music that like I don't hear in other games right um well and it's a great example of like the tensions of a good metroid game in general where I mean, just like we were talking about, like that mix of like technology mm -hmm. um, represented by like the, they might actually just be like phone beeps and boops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's uh it's just um uh the regular like Super Nintendo sine wave uh played at a, a tritone apart, <laughs> um that gives it that uh that like kind of two tone grindy quality to it. So that like more like unnatural sound mm -hmm. meshed with the. Uh, the you know like more i what my brain registers as natural sounding strings right underneath it um this so you know you have that like technology and nature at all kind of like at odds and then you also just have this idea of a world like there is something out there for you to explore but the mm -hmm. world is also very dangerous yes man I really like this series. <laughs> yeah, when Metroid is good, it's yeah. so good. And I think that's why everybody is so excited for or for Metroid Prime 4 when it was announced and then to have this uh 2D Metroid game dropped out of nowhere yeah. seemingly in Metroid Samus Returns is so exciting for people like us like fans of this series because um, yeah, we had other M a few years ago, and you've had like Federation Force, but it has been a long time since we've had a game that Metroid fans are like really excited about yeah. and seems to be really good. Well, and so that's I posed the question to you at the beginning of the episode of like, does it excite you that this is a? Would it excite you if it were a new game, or does it excite you that it's it's a remake of of an older one? And for me, I'm very excited about it being like retreading that old ground because I feel like um you know in recent years or not, even not that recent years they've lost that purchase of like what it means to be a metroid game and even if like the bones of um metroid 2 the return of samus are you know clumsy and like the game doesn't play super well um it still it had the original spirit of um isolation and uh this sort of atmospheric storytelling um so yeah I, I i like that they're coming back with something old sort of um and that 
any future games can take cues from that. Yeah, it's kind of the perfect game to remake because the original game itself is fairly clunky, limited by its hardware. Yeah. And so it'll be exciting to see a modern take on it. I can't wait to get my hands on it. Did you read this, that Mercury Steam had expressed interest uh, before they uh, made this game to remake Fusion instead? Yeah, I did see that. It's it's that seems so weird, doesn't it? Yeah, I uh I guess it's fusion. It has been a long time since sure, fusion. Sure. But it doesn't feel that long to me. No, and also like just play fusion. Like <laughs> you you can play it right now. Readily it's available. It's yeah. I mean not readily available on any current. anything but the Wii U. Yeah. You can play it on the Wii U. And if you were part of the 3DS Ambassador program, you have a copy of it. Oh really? Mm-hmm. It was Oh, that's right. Because it yeah. was yeah. Um, but otherwise, yeah, you can't. Pl- That's nuts to me. <laughs> they should make it so everyone can play. So maybe they should have. Maybe they'll remake that next. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Uh, but I, man, I still want to see a Metroid Five someday. Like Fusion is as far as we've gotten in the series. And I really feel like if uh, this new game is successful, that an original 2D Metroid will like not be too far behind yeah but that'll be a topic for another day um that's gonna do it for this episode of nintendo cartridge society if you like this episode please rate review and subscribe on itunes also share us on social media platforms we are at Nincart society on twitter and the facebook page is just nintendo cartridge society we'd love to hear your thoughts on metroid mm-hmm. and what you think makes a good entry in the series or maybe some things that uh we overlooked in other m or you know i didn't love uh metroid prime 3 that much yeah but for the I, same reasons right like yeah. it's a lot of ch- also come on uh, those mo- those Wii motion controls are, are tough yeah P- i will never understand the people who feel like that is the like uh the best way to play metroid prime yeah yeah it i bought the trilogy on on Wii or on Wii U, but as with Wii controls on all three of them. And I was like, oh, great. Now I can't play Metroid <laughs> Prime and Metroid Prime 2. Uh, but yeah, we would love to hear um, a- any of that. Uh, so you can always email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. Uh, if you like Mark and Mind's opinions, you can check out our comic book reviews and discussions on RetconPunch.com. Olivia Duncan made our... Uh, what did she do? <laughs> logo. <laughs> she made our logo. And 8-Bit Betty, who is a different person... Uh, did our music. You can check out that music right here, right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying thanks for listening. Podcast Network.